Let's spend some time in prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, we are so glad we can worship you and we have that Father all of us long for in you. And Jesus, you're that big brother we always long for and Holy Spirit, welcome. We are so glad that you, our great God, made us male and female and you instituted marriage and you enabled a man and a husband and wife to come together and have children and uh, dads were your idea. And we thank you for the many, many dads here who, uh, who work hard to love their wives and children and, and, and raise them to, to know you. And we pray they would feel valued and encouraged. Um, what's a happy day for so many is, is a hard day for many, for men who love to be married or ha to have children and have not been able to. May you minister grace. And, oh, for, for all of us who've lost our dads, that you would comfort. And, and we pray for those fathers who've lost their children, that you would comfort them. We are a needy people and pray that you would meet our needs. As we open your word together today, forgive the one who speaks for his sins are many and, and I pray we really would be amazed by grace that we would leave here rejoicing today at how gracious you are to each of us and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to read from the Bible, if you're new here, we do that each week. Uh, we're going to read from 1 Timothy chapter 1, and I know the bulletin and the study say verse 12, but we're going to hop up one verse um, and start reading in verse 11. Uh, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. The reason we backed up a little bit is the message today is called the gospel-centered dad, and here... Here, the Apostle Paul writes about the glorious gospel. And if you're new, the word gospel means good news, the glorious good news of Jesus. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy so that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And someone might say, isn't that a weird passage to speak from on Father's Day? Not really. Not really. The Apostle Paul was not married, and he did not have biological children, but he had many spiritual children, people that he had led to faith in Christ, and those that he was discipling. And Timothy was one of them. Timothy was a pastor. And Paul was mentoring him. He wanted him to become a, a good pastor. And so Paul is really talking to him about the glorious gospel. And what he wants Timothy to know is that a good pastor, a good pastor is amazed by grace, is amazed by grace. And what I want you to know is the same qualities that make someone a good pastor, make someone a good dad. 
The, the point of the message today is going to be that the gospel-centered dad is amazed by grace. I mean, isn't a pastor and a dad a lot alike? I mean, you love people, you want to help them know Christ and walk with Him, right? So what are the qualities that would make someone a good pastor or a good dad? It's being amazed by grace. It was last fall, and several of our staff members were at a disciple-making retreat. And I forget the question, but we're going around this room, and here's what I heard. I never knew my dad. My dad left my mom. I never knew my dad. My dad left my mom. I never knew my dad. Uh, my dad left my mom. And I was just absolutely heartbroken. There was so much dad hurt. Um, and, and the people gathered in the room. And what grace does, what amazing grace does, amazing grace enables us to admit our own failures. And my first thought was, is this how my kids feel about me? I want you to know something. I love my kids very, very much. We have six kids, but I am not Jesus. And what grace does is grace enables us to admit our own failures. And so coming out of there, what I wanted to do with my own kids was to get in contact with all of them and just say, listen, forgive me for all the ways I've disappointed you and hurt you. Listen, I love you so much, but I'm not Jesus. I have failed a lot. Grace enables us to be honest about our own failures, doesn't it? So my first thought when, I, when we were going around this room was about my own failures. Then my second thought turned to my dad. And what I began to think about my dad was when I have experienced grace, I become more gracious toward others. Uh, listen, God has been so gracious to me, and that helps me to be gracious toward my dad because my dad was not Jesus. Your dad wasn't either, was he? And so my dad got some things right, and my dad got some things wrong. But what grace has enabled me to do is to focus in and be thankful for what he got right and not to concentrate on what he did wrong. And so my dad had many flaws, but, oh, my dad taught me how to work. My dad never missed a day of work. His whole life, his whole working career, he never stayed home. He went to work. And you know why? Because his dad was an alcoholic. And my dad never knew whether he was going to eat or not. And so my dad never missed a day of work, and he taught me how important work is. And uh, my dad loves sports. Oh, so many of my great memories with my dad were playing in the yard. He passed that on well, and I think I've passed that on to my kids as well. Man, I love sports. And oh, my dad, my dad loved my mom. Until the day he died, he would always open the door for my mom. In my whole life, I never heard my dad say one unkind thing about my mom. My dad modeled for me how to love my wife. And, um, and my dad loved Jesus. And uh, my dad showed me how to die. My dad died well. I was with him. And he said, listen, I am ready. I'm so thankful for amazing grace because grace, I've experienced grace, and when you've experienced grace, I can express grace, and grace enables me with my dad to be so thankful for all the things he got right and taught me without concentrating on the things that he got wrong. 
And so today, I want to encourage the dads here. I want to encourage you. You can be a good dad. You can be a good dad. But the key to being a good dad is to really understand the gospel and to be amazed by grace. When we are amazed by God's grace to us, that's what enables us to be good dads for our children. So... So let's unpack that a little bit, that the gospel-centered dad is amazed by grace. The gospel-centered dad is amazed by past grace. The apostle Paul had a past. Uh, so do we, don't we? What, what do we do about our past? Oh, now, listen to this. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. The bad news of the gospel is we all have a past. Paul had a past. Paul hated Jesus. He hated the church. He put Christians to death. And every time Paul would speak in a church, when he would look around the church, there would be people in the church whose family members he had murdered. How do we get past our past? And listen, it wasn't just Paul. What does the Bible say? It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has committed crime after crime against God, haven't we? I'm reading through the Bible, and one of the things that has really struck me is how personal sin is. Over and over again, God says, you've sinned against me. You've sinned against me. You've sinned against me. And most people don't think of sin like that. I ask people all the time, why should God let you have life with them? And they say, I've never hurt anyone. But it never enters into their mind that sin is primarily not hurting others. Sin is primarily a crime against God. We, his creature, commit crime after crime against God. And the God we've committed crime to crimes against is, is just, and he can't just wink at our sin and say it doesn't matter. No, he says what we deserve for what we have done is hell. That's the bad news. The bad news is we have committed crimes against God, a, a just God, and we deserve hell. And then the good news, and then the good news even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy. Ah, God is not only just, he's merciful. And <clears throat> because I acted un ignorantly in unbelief, I didn't know what I was doing. And the grace, the amazing grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus... You see, Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Christ Jesus came into the world, listen to this, here's the good news, to save sinners. Notice Jesus didn't come into the world to help good people get better. Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. So God the Son puts on flesh to save sinners, lives a perfect life, and then the sinless one takes our sins all of our crimes upon himself. He dies in our place, paying in full the penalty for our sins, rising on the third day. Yet for this reason, I found mercy so that in me, as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might 
demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Listen, how do we find forgiveness? How do we find eternal life? We believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. Didn't Jesus say, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life? Paul did. I believed. Have you? Do you know the story of how Paul believed? Paul is on the road, right? He's on the road to Damascus to arrest Christians and put them to death. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, well, who are you? And, 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 and he says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting because by persecuting his body, he was persecuting Jesus. And so Paul was converted. Paul admitted that he was a sinner. He said, I have sinned against you and I'm sorry. And, and I've admitted that I'm a sinner. Have you? Won't you? And then Paul believed. Paul said, I believe. I've been wrong. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And there was a day I believe. I said, Jesus, I believe in you. And if you haven't, won't you? And then Paul committed to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Paul, he said, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven and I want you to forgive me and give me eternal life, won't you? And then he said, I want you to be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I want to follow you, won't you? Oh, man, past grace is wonderful, isn't it? This man who had put Christians to death, he was forgiven of all of his sins, past, present, and future. And I was too, and you can be. And we are given eternal life. So the gospel-centered dad is amazed by grace, past grace. But he's also amazed by present grace, present grace. I want you to know Paul had a past, but he also had a present. That's true of us too, isn't it? It's not just that we have a past, we also have a present. Well, what do you mean? I hear people say all the time, well, everyone has a past. <laughs> That's true. But everyone has a present, too. And I find that most Christians, they don't have too much trouble admitting they have a past. But Christians have a difficult time admitting they have a present. It's hard for a, a Christian dad to say, you know, I, I'm not a great dad. It's hard to say listen, we have a present, isn't it? But Paul says, not only did I have a past and need grace, but I have a present and need grace. Did you hear verse 15? For this reason, uh, or it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom, help me, what does it say? I am. Do you hear that? It's in the present tense, right? Paul's not talking about that Christ came into the world, that he was the foremost of sinners. He says, now he is. You see, before Paul came to faith in Christ, he never would have said that he was the foremost sinner because before Paul came to faith in Christ, he said as far as the outward observance of the law was concerned, he was blameless. Notice what Paul says in verse 13. Uh, he says, that even though I was, even though I, what? Help me, I was. See, that's the past tense, right? I was formerly um, a violent, a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. So he uses the past tense there. But then notice, notice in verse 15, he uses the present tense, doesn't he? He says, among whom I am. You see, for Paul... When Paul came to faith in Christ and he began to grow, day by day he began to understand more and more of his sin. 
And as he understood more and more of his sin, he also began to experience more and more of God's grace. So that every day, Paul became more and more amazed by grace. <laughs> That's my experience. Is, is it yours? Let, let me show you Paul's progression. Paul's progression. When, when Paul wrote to 1 Corinthians, uh, it's, it's, it's about the year 55 to 57 AD, Paul writes 1 Corinthians. Now notice how he describes himself here. He says, for I am the least of the apostles. I mean, at this point in his life, he says, of all the apostles, I'm the least. And here's why. And not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Man, I, I'm the least. And, and then a few years go by and Paul understands a little more of his sin. He experiences a little more grace. And he writes Ephesians. Now it's about 60. You know, it's about five to seven years later. Notice how he describes himself here. To me, the very least of all saints. So he's gone from being the least of, belief, of, of, the, of the apostles. Now I'm the least of all the saints, of all the believers. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. And then a few years later, as Paul begins to approach his death, he writes 1, Corinthians, or 1 Timothy, and he said, Christ came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. So I want you to understand something with Paul. He understood that he was sinner and apostle at the same time. He understood that he was the foremost sinner and the foremost apostle at the same time. That enabled him to be both humble, I'm a sinner, and helpful, an apostle at the same time. And the reason that's so important, that's what's true of us as a dad, isn't it? We are both sinner and dad, guess what, at the same time. And when we understand both of those things, that enables us to be both humble, we're a sinner, and helpful, we're a dad. You see, present grace is um, that Jesus has a purpose for our life now and that his grace is sufficient for us now. Notice verse 12. The Apostle Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Paul was not saved by his good works, and neither are we. But Paul was saved for good works, and so are we. Paul was saved from his sins, from hell. He was saved for good works. You want to know what amazing grace is? Jesus takes someone who hates him, and hates his disciples, and is putting them to death. And he says, I want you to be one of my apostles. And then he says, and then he says, I want you, a Jew's Jew, to take the gospel to the Gentiles. You ever think because maybe of what you've done that God could never use you? Look at Paul. He went from being a persecutor to an apostle. He was both sinner and apostle at the same time. Often we think if, if we're going to be a, a, an effective evangelist, we have to have it all together. Paul didn't think that way. Paul thought his sin was his point of connection to lost people. When Paul shared his faith, he didn't say, you need to become good like me. No, what Paul said, there's only one good person in the whole world. There's only one good person in the Bible. That's Jesus he came to save sinners. That's all of us. That's all of us. And I'm the foremost. I know in my own uh, evangelism, I've learned that if I point out people's sins, usually they deny them. 
But if I talk about my sins, they'll join me. Really, if, if I tell someone, you know, sometimes when I'm driving, someone pulls out in front of me and I yell at them. Do you ever yell at them? And they'll say, yes. And, and I'll say, Jesus taught us to love our neighbor, but I find it really hard to love my neighbor. Some of them are hard to love. Do you find that difficult? You see, my sin is what enables me to connect to others and help bring them to Jesus. And the same is true as a dad. What enables us to be a, a good dad is that we're both sinner and dad. We're both humble and helpful at the same time. Dads say, well, smiley, how do, I, how do I teach my kids not to smoke pot when I smoked pot? Um, well, we do that as a sinner and a, a sinner and a dad at the same time, right? We do that, what, as, as, as humble and helpful at the same time. Of course, like in... In my marriage, Karen never did anything wrong. <laughs> so with our six kids, she would always say, ask dad if he smoked pot. <laughs> so yes, I've answered that question, right? Okay. Uh, but we do it as a humble, helpful person. Listen, with our kids, we say, listen, I'm a sinner. I've done a lot of things wrong in my life. But I want for you God's best, not my experience. And since I've smoked pot, I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and Jesus has brought more joy to my life than pot ever did, and I want God's best for you. Don't we answer questions as someone who's both humble and helpful, as both a sinner and a dad at the same time? Or dad say, you know, Smiley, how do I deal with my uh, kids when they lie to me? And I said, well, the first thing is don't act shocked. I mean, can we talk? I mean, your kid lies to you. How could you do such a terrible thing? Like you've never lied, right? You see, what we share in common is our sin. When our kid lies, we take a step toward them, not away, and say, listen, I understand. I understand the pressure in the moment to not tell the truth. I feel that pressure myself all the time but I've met Jesus, and Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is teaching me. It's hard to tell the truth, and he can help you too. <laughs> Humble and helpful at the same time. Isn't that what's so cool about our Savior, isn't it? I mean, did you, have you been, the study is so good. This week, many of us have been reading through Hebrews together, right? And we read in Hebrews chapter 2, and then we read in Hebrews chapter 4. And what did we read? We read that God has been, that Jesus was a man, and that he was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. That's why we go to him, right? When we go to Jesus and say, oh, I need help telling the truth, Jesus doesn't say, how can you be so stupid as to want to lie? He steps toward us, doesn't he? And what does he say? Listen, I was on earth. I know the pressure. I was tempted in all things as you are. Let me show you how to tell the truth when it's hard. Oh, man, the, the gospel-centered dad, he's amazed by grace, past grace, yes, but also present grace. The gospel-centered dad is amazed by past grace, present grace, and future grace. 
Paul not only had a past and a present, Paul had a, had a future. And isn't that true of us? That we have a past and we have a present, but we also have a, a future. And so we read here, Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul says, listen, I am going to live with Jesus forever. The moment we believe in Jesus, we get to do life with and for Jesus. And when we die, we get to be with him and to do life for him forever. And so the Apostle Paul said, here is what is so amazing about grace that we can't lose whether we live or die. Paul would write, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, every day Jesus lives, leaves me here on earth, I have a purpose, I'm here to win people to Christ, to make disciples and plant churches, and when my time on earth is through, I get to go and be with Jesus. I want you to know, I pray that prayer every day. Paul says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, because one day will be my last, and it could be today for me and for you. But as Christian people, what grace means is we can't lose. That if we're here, it's because he has a purpose for our lives. He wants us to make disciples of others. And when it's over, we're going to get to be with him forever. And so Paul, when he talks about past, present, and future grace, it just moves him into a doxology. And that's why he just goes into this doxology, this song of praise. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God beyond and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul was amazed by grace, and when he spoke about grace, he just had to sing about it. Is that true of us? You see, the gospel-centered uh, dad is amazed by past grace and present grace and future grace. That's what I want you to learn, and, and then I want to give you an action step so that you can take what you've learned today and begin to, uh, to practice it so that you can be amazed by grace. I want you to model amazing grace. Model amazing grace. What do you mean? Well, Smiley, aren't we as dads, aren't we supposed to be an example? Absolutely. The question is, what are we to be an example of, isn't it? Did you, did you hear what Paul said? Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost sinner and the foremost apostle at the same time, uh, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul says, what I want to model before people is amazing grace that I am sinner and apostle at the same time, that I am humble and helpful at the same time. And so I think as dads, what we want to model for our children is that we are sinner and dad at the same time, that we are humble and helpful at the same time. And you say, well, Smiley, what, what does that look like? And and uh, we went through these on Mother's Day as we talked about a gospel-centered mom, and we'll go through them on Father's Day. What it means is, dads, I think we need to relax a little bit, and we need to say, my children are not Jesus. My children are not Jesus. Verse 15 says that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and that includes who? My children. The Bible says what? For 
All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So of all people, as gospel-centered dads, we should not be surprised when our children sin. We know why they do. Because it's true of all of us, isn't it? No one had to teach me how to lie, to cheat, to steal, or to say, Mine! And you don't have to teach your kids that either. Uh, I, I, know, I know we try and be perfect parents, but that day will come, right, when um, their face is covered with chocolate icing. They have the spoon in their hand with the icing on it. There's the bowl, and you say, you, you know, you did, did, did you eat the icing? And they're going to say what? No? No? And you can't believe it? Your child is lying to you? Oh. I mean, it's kind of cute at four, not so much at 14 or 24 or 34, right? But listen, your children are sinners just like you are. Of all people, we shouldn't be shocked when they sin. We know why they sin. Uh, My children are not Jesus. I think that's really important, too, with our identity, I think it's really important as dads that our identity is rooted in Jesus and not in the behavior of our children. Uh, Well, what do you mean? Well, we love to say the gospel is that Jesus plus nothing equals everything, that my identity is rooted in Jesus. And it's Jesus plus nothing is everything. That's that's who I am. My identity is I'm a Christian. Uh, I'm a disciple. That's my identity. And and it's not Jesus plus having well-behaved children equals everything. How many of us, we don't want to go to church because our children made choices and we say, listen, if I go to church, listen, people will think badly about me because our thought is, our identity is Jesus plus well-behaved children. Oh, if we make that our identity and our children make wise choices, we'll be pretty tempted to be pretty proud and self-righteous and look at other parents whose kids are making poor choices and say, if you only made wise cho- If you were only a good parent like me, your kids would be like my kids. Such a dangerous place to be. And if we make that Jesus plus well-behaved children equals everything, our kids will make foolish choices. They all do, and we will be crushed, won't we? Very, very important as parents that we own our own failures. And listen, I failed a lot as a parent, and and, and I'll own them. But my children make their own choices, and yours do too. And I'm responsible for my choices, but I'm not responsible for the choices of my children. That's so important. Karen and I, years ago, we were at a crisis pregnancy center banquet, and Cal Thomas, one of my heroes, was speaking. And I'll never forget this. He said this probably 25 years ago. He said, never forget that God was a perfect parent. And his, kid made, his kids made poor choices. Isn't it true? Would you look at Adam and Eve and say, they made those choices because they had such a bad parent. Oh, no, no, God was a perfect parent. And his kids made poor choices. It's so important, dads. It's so important that we model amazing grace, that we learn to say, my kids are not Jesus. They're sinners like me. They need Jesus. Listen, my identity is not rooted in their behavior. It's in Jesus. It's really, really important that we learn as well to say, um, listen, I'm not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. The reason so many Christians are so uptight is they're trying to be Jesus in the eyes of their children or in the eyes of lost people. They're trying to bring the faith in Christ. We're not Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. 
It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. He says, listen, I'm a sinner. Jesus is the Savior. I want to point people to Jesus, not to me. Parents, our kids don't need a better version of us. Our kids don't need a better version of us, but they do need Jesus. And that's what we want to do as parents, isn't it? To point them to Jesus. Listen, only Jesus can forgive you. Only Jesus can give you eternal life. Only Jesus can give you an identity and a purpose and truth. Only Jesus can give you safely home. As parents, what we want to do is point our children to Jesus. What we want to do is invite our children with us. Let's come and see Jesus together. So dads, listen, relax, relax. My children are not Jesus. Relax, I'm not Jesus. And I think to model amazing grace too is to relax that I need Jesus too. That I need Jesus too. Don't you hear that in Paul's words? It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Paul says, no one needs Jesus more than I do. Paul says, listen, I am both sinner and apostle at the same time. I need Jesus. And I want you to know I've been a pastor for a long time. I've been a dad for a long time. And two things I know. Number one, I'm a great sinner. Come on, all of you can say amen, right? <laughs> I'm a great sinner. And secondly, I have a great Savior. And what I want to do as a pastor and what I want to do as a dad is to point my children to Jesus. Listen, no one needs Jesus more than I do. So many dads, what do they do? On Sunday morning, they take their kids and drop them off at church. Why? Because kids need Jesus, but dads don't. Oh, no. When we try and get our kids together on Sunday morning, the kids say, well, why do we have to go to church? We say, because dad needs Jesus. That's okay. Thank you. <laughs> Do you ever remember your dad telling you he needed anything? What a life change it would be if we heard our dad say, we need Jesus. Uh, sometimes Sometimes as dads, we're going to do it right, aren't we? We're going to do it right. Maybe we've developed the practice of getting up and spending time with Jesus in the Word and prayer, getting up. And, and when we do something right, one day our kids are going to find us and say, wow, Dad, you're so good. You're so good. You get up and spend time with Jesus each day. Wow. Isn't that a great opportunity to say, no. I do get up and spend time with Jesus each day, but I don't do it because I'm good. The reason I get up is because it's hard. Life is hard. I need Jesus. Loving your mommy is hard. I need Jesus to do it. Loving you is hard. I need Jesus to do it. Earning a living is really, really hard. I need Jesus to do it. Wouldn't it be great if we taught our children the reason why we spend time with Jesus is because life and ministry and family are hard and we really need Jesus? And um, sometimes our kids are going to catch us doing something wrong, right? We're going to lose our temper and yell and say words maybe we wish we hadn't. 
But what a great opportunity to model what? Amazing grace, that we are both sinner and dead at the same time, right? First of all, to model grace is to admit it, not to excuse it, to say, hey, dad really blew it. And then secondly, what a great time to teach our kids, dad really needs Jesus. Can, can you imagine how bad dad would be if he didn't know Jesus? And I want you to do something. Will you pray for me? Can you imagine how that would impact our lives if we ask our kids to pray for us, that we could follow Jesus and become more like him? Amazing grace enables us to be both sinner and dad at the same time. So I want to encourage you dads, <clears throat> I want to encourage you dad when life seems overwhelming, which is all the time, isn't it? To, to, to love your wife and to, and to love your kids and to earn a living. Let's remember this week that the gospel-centered dad is amazed by grace. We have experienced grace, past, present, and future, okay? And then let's remember what we're really called to do, what we're called to do is to model amazing grace. And that's two things, right? That I am both sinner and dad at the same time. Listen, I can do that, and you can too. Model being a sinner and dad at the same time. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad you came to save sinners and that none of us, you came to save the foremost. None of us is too bad to be saved. Thank you. Thank you for living, dying, rising, and offering eternal life to us, a gift that we receive by faith. If you would like grace, past, present, and future, and you've never believed in Jesus, won't you admit to him where you are? Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And won't you believe? I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit? Jesus, I want you to come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. And from this day forward, as you give me strength, I will follow you all the days of my life. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. We'd love to celebrate with you. And Lord, I pray for all of us, and especially for dads this week, that, that you would teach us how to model how to model amazing grace, how we can be both humble and helpful at the same time, how we can be both sinner and dad at the same time. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.